The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the Western world, we have the highest divorce rates of any country. 60% of men and 50% of women are sleeping with someone other than their spouse. What does this mean? Welcome to Contract for Love with your host, Lori J. You'll learn to look at marriage a whole different way, or even not at all. Now, here is Lori J. Good afternoon. Lori J. here with you on Voice America. Talking Contract for Love, a show based on my book, Don't Get Married, Get a Five-Year Contract. I wrote this book because I do believe in long-term loving relationships, only without the marriage ceremony. Contract for Love, a beneficial movement, better suited for all those relationships in the now. And speaking of the now, who am I? I have been in the psychic realm doing many different metaphysical modalities, including guiding my clients, whether personally, in couples, or in groups, on how to combine our sexuality spirituality, and the earth plane existence. I have been living, learning, and loving for over 25 years, culminating in my dream come true of talking to you through internet radio. Now let's get to our show. I'd like to welcome my guest today, and his name is Mike Cook. He's owner of Arizona Auto Masters. It's at 4122 West I'm sorry, Venus Way in Chandler. I didn't can't read my own writing, Mike. What can I tell you? At the Stellar Airport. And Mike, say hello to us. Hi, everybody. And so Mike is uh, a very interesting person. And I know Mike. And he's an absolutely fantastic man, honest, wonderful. And so especially with his work at um, his... Auto Masters shop, and so I wanted to bring him here because Mike has a past that you would never know about unless he tells you, and we're hoping that he will tell us about it today because a lot about what he has to say shows how one can change, how one can develop and adapt, and and during our show, we will also be talking to him about how he feels about contracts. But right now, Mike, you have had a past that I can only relate to as Sons of Anarchy without the gang. And (laughs) you have definitely lived a lot of that. And we're, we're not here to glamorize it, of course, but we are here to talk about how one can change. Can you tell us a little bit about your past and how does that compare to you in the now? Okay. Well, first I wanted to say, Lori J., uh, thank you for having me on. You're welcome. really awesome invitation. And, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, in my past when I was young, you know, my teenage years, uh, I was out of the house and on my own at a young age. 
and I ended up kind of getting involved with uh, the whole world of drugs and uh, what's all kinds of stuff, drugs, sex, you know, rock and roll, as they say. Uh, got involved in actually doing a lot of drugs and selling drugs, and uh, you know, I made some money at it. That's kind of how I made my living for a while at that age. Uh, definitely not what I'd recommend doing. It's pretty high high risk, you know. Um, but there was some fun times too. Uh, got into a lot of trouble with the law. Got arrested a lot of times. I mean, probably been arrested almost twenty times, I'd say. So. Well, that's pretty. That's <laughs> that is not the norm. <laughs> right. Let us say. And uh, what some of the things that we, you and I have talked about are how you have and were able to sort of survive. I think you stated some. Uh, where around three to five major car chases and things like that with the law. Right. I mean, in actuality, there, there was probably like 20 car chases, Ugh, okay. uh, high-speed car chases in my life. Um, you know, five or six of them were, I'd say, super intense, but, you know, very, very dangerous stuff. Um, you know, kind of the group of us always had very fast cars, and we had fast motorcycles, and we, you know— uh, Got tired of going to jail, so started kind of getting in the habit of outrunning the cops, you know. And ba back in those days, it was a little bit easier. I mean, they still had helicopters, but not as many as they got up in the air now. And, you know, they say you can't outrun the radios, but, you know, if you can drive good enough and, you know, you push your limits, you can you can get away from them, um, at least back in those days, you know. And definitely don't recommend it. It's really risky, you know. I was I was real lucky. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of training at a young age and, and high-speed driving, so... Got away with it. Uh, didn't really have too many crashes back in those days. You know, I was pretty pretty proficient at what I did. But um, and you know, it, in a way, it, it was a high adrenaline lifestyle. I mean, I actually kind of got off on it. You know, it was it was fun in a way. Um, very risky, very dangerous. Obviously, it, it endangered the lives of the officers that had to chase me and and my own lives and maybe any passengers that were with me, which really irresponsible looking back at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but. In the moment, in the time, you know, uh, when you don't want to go to jail and you <laughs> are maybe looking at, you know, getting some significant time for maybe, you know, substances you have on board or that kind of stuff, you're, uh, it's definitely at the time worth the risk to, to try to evade them. And, you know, not as hard as it may seem, you know, if, you, if you've got a fast car and you know how to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like you said, we certainly don't feel that people should be doing that, but we right. definitely want to show you know where where you have come from and a lot the life that you did live which was quite very intense and actually could be very addictive in many ways right besides the drugs just the lifestyle itself could be addictive right well i mean you know i kind of had a reputation back in those days so you know there was i was involved in all kinds of stuff um you know, there was a period of time when I used to drive girls around that were working girls, you know, escorts. And I got the got the job because I was a, a, had a reputation of such a good driver. Um, and everything from that to, you know, making border runs. We used to run drugs across the border in Mexico. Um, dangerous stuff there, too. Again, these days you couldn't, couldn't probably get away with it the same as you could then, you know. Um, but yeah, it is addicting. That that rush, the adrenaline rush you get, is is pretty wild. You know, it, real high highs and there's low lows. When things go wrong and things go bad, you know, you, you obviously get pretty down too. Um, but you know, the money's enticing. The the girls that are around, there's a lot of the you know, the the kind of uh, yeah, just the girls that are in the rock and roll and that kind of stuff are around, and they're they tend to be pretty fun at that age. You know, so 
um, when you have money and you've got drugs and you've got parties going on all the time and you're, you know, kind of wheeling and dealing and, and living that lifestyle, it's, it's, it is definitely addicting. Uh, it's hard to, hard to kind of get away from it and get back to a normal life, that's for sure. But you did, and that's what's important. You did, you did uh, pull yourself out of a lot of that, even though you did spend some time in jail. Um, and so we certainly want people to know that there are consequences to that lifestyle. And um, during that time, uh, is that when you were married, Mike, or was it um, after? No, I, I didn't get married till I kind of, you know, when, when I straightened out my lifestyle uh, in my early 20s, I, I got married, you know, mid-20s. So I always said I wasn't going to get married until I was at least 30 years old, and then I, I met a woman and ended up uh, falling in love and all that and got married around 25 years old. And is that when you had children or? Uh, years later, I had, I had children. Years later? Yeah. So um, besides having that kind of a lifestyle, when you did try to settle down, you did have a wife and children, and now um, you are divorced, correct? Correct. Okay. And, but you still see your kids. Oh, yeah. And um, you have become uh, rather interesting because you have been asked many times to talk to kids that might be going into gangs, and uh, even though you weren't in a gang, I want to make that... Um, uh, point, <laughs> right. uh, but kids today seem that feel that you know gangs may be the place to go or or to uh, join their friends in in some things that are very close to what you had done. And when you do talk to youth, because you have been invited to talk with them, right. you know how do you help them see that that lifestyle? Because that lifestyle. And I'll get back to the question, but I just want to make the statement that, I mean, I'm a big fan of Sons of Anarchy, and it's got a huge base. And I think it's because people, you know, see the motorcycles and see what they do. But, you know, then again, it's a small town where supposedly where they live. And um, there's a lot of things going on there that couldn't go on in – in life today, I would say, probably more like when you were younger, Mike. Um, but I just want to say that um, we certainly don't want to glamorize any of this, but it is interesting how somebody who had such a past be able to, uh, excuse me, was able to become such a spiritual and um, not, just a spiritual, uh, hardworking uh, professional now. And so what do you say to those kids today who, uh, who aren't looking at you as what you were, thank goodness, but who you are today? Well, I mean, you know, like you said, I've been invited into uh, classrooms and stuff. I've got a, a teacher, a friend of mine, that teaches in, uh, well, up in the Florence area. And uh, a lot of the kids that live there, a lot of those kids are kind of at-risk youth because a lot of their parents uh, are, are in prison in Florence up there. So they tend to, their, you know, the remaining family tends to live close by so they can go visit that person. So a lot of the people in Florence, it seems like uh, in that area around there, you know, they have, the kids have parents that are locked up. And so it's easy for them to kind of slide into that lifestyle because that's the lifestyle that their parents had led. Um, you know, I try to, I mean, my one piece of advice would be, you know, focus on positive things that you can do with your life and uh, anything you want to accomplish, you know. I mean, anything you want to set your mind to doing, you can, you can do. 
Um, it takes a lot of hard work and determination, but uh, you know, definitely, definitely not to go out and break the law. You don't want to end up in prison for the rest of your life. I mean, these days the penalties are really, really strict. A lot stricter than they were even when, when I was young. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the, you know, the risk of of going to prison for twenty years for some one simple incident. You know, and that's what happens, isn't it? It definitely can happen. Um, and doesn't take much. I mean, it's, you know, the lifestyle I led and, you know, like you said on the Sons of Anarchy show, you know, I've seen it. Uh, I'd say most of the things that happen on there aren't as far-fetched as you would think, even even in the bigger towns. Um, you know, I've had some experience with different biker gangs over the years when I was younger. And you know what? There's maybe not as many murders and stuff but as, as what the TV show shows, but, I mean, it all that stuff is pretty realistic. <laughs> you know, it, it does go on like that. You know, it's maybe just not quite as frequent, but everything you see pretty much does kind of play out like that, you know. Wow. That's that's yeah. an interesting yeah. – thank you for that yeah. because that really is interesting. puts things into perspective. Right. And um, definitely lets us know that those things are going on and that we need to be aware, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's a whole other subset of lifestyle that's out there. That, yeah. You know, that's that you need to be aware of. And, you know, the kids can, can end up in uh, similar types of, of situations. There's all kinds of gangs, you know, in, in Phoenix, different size gangs. And, I mean, it kind of allures. It gives kids a place to go and, and be part of something. Um, so it can definitely be uh, tempting to get involved with that kind of stuff and end up down the wrong path real easily. Do you think that if we have what – we might be able to put into action to help them help the children of today who are um, get lost in you know the in society so to speak uh, you know things that really would work besides just trying to tell them not to do it <laughs> <laughs> can you think of anything what about the, like the scared straight program and or something like that right I mean, that stuff could work. I'd say, I'd say it really starts at home with the parents and, and their communication with the kids, um, you know, and, and trying to be more involved. Uh, parents just being real with the kids and trying to really, you know, be straight with them about stuff. Uh, kids are smart these days. They, they know what's going on. You know, I think it's, it's better just to really be as honest as possible with kids and ex- explain, you know, explain what's going on in the world and, uh, you know, stay close with them. Don't don't get too separated. Really try to be involved with what's going on with their lives and be interested uh, so they don't end up kind of out there doing those types of things. Well, you know, you'd think sometimes that, you know, it'd be kind of hard for a parent not to know that they're out there doing that. But at the same time, as a parent, we can go into denial so much about our children. I mean, I'm a parent also, so I can understand that. And um, so, you know, it's something that, like you said, we really have to be aware, and it takes uh, – it, you know, it really does take a whole uh, society to help our children in ways that can help lead them away from things that are, uh, it's just just darn not good for them, let's put it that way, <laughs> you know. Um, it's, a, it's experiences, but we don't want them in jail. And that's going to be, and that's the, the main thing. And I'm really glad, Mike, that. Um, you were able to turn your your life around, and uh, so that's really a great thing. And you know, we have talked about the rush that this can bring on, and it can actually work on a person who might have an addictive personality. Correct? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That adrenaline kicks in, and, and you just keep looking for it then, because it's a, it's a high of its own, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Just like, actually, just like um, somebody who uh, does any kind of wild sport, I would imagine that that's what you know, adrenaline is like, and that's why they keep going back and doing that. Right. I'd say it's exactly right. Yeah. So, well, it's, you know, it gets to be tough out there. And as a parent, you know, I also know um, how hard it is, you know, trying to make sure that your kids are not on drugs. And I think that's the main situation that we have right now is um, a very drug-oriented society. However, you know, we also know that some things should be, well, maybe we'll talk about that. We can talk about that in a, in a little bit, because right now, I believe it's time to have a few sips of tea and honey, and afterwards, we'll come back and talk with Mike Cook. But for now, back in a breath and a sip. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Visit LoriJ.com to find out more about Lori J and her services as a psychic intuitive reader and past lives channel. Be sure to pick up Lori J's book, Don't Get Married, Get a Five-Year Contract, available on Amazon.com. With cheating and the divorce rate so high, why not look at commitment and marriage from a different point of view? You'll view relationships in a whole new light. One that you've probably never thought of before. Don't get married, get a five-year contract. Find out more at LoriJ.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Contract for Love. To reach Lori J. or her guest, please call toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to LoriJ at LoriJ.com. Now, back to Contract for Love. Noon, Lori J here. I'm here with my good friend, Mike Cook. He's owner of Arizona Automasters at 4122 West Venus Way at Stellar Air Park in Chandler, Arizona. And Mike and I are talking about his past, which was was very much like Sons of Anarchy, but he was not in a gang. Um, And he's given us quite a bit of information, and we stumbled upon a subject that we both would like to talk about because it's so huge right now, and that's drugs. Now, both you and I 
um, have sort of the same opinion as far as, um, you know, marijuana goes, that, you know, that should definitely, that sh- I don't know if we should say it should be legalized or there should be no, um, or if we should call it um, not be, uh, what do you call that, uh, an offense or there's a state, you know, how there's something that you, you don't legalize it, but you, I wish I could well, remember it, the it, phrase, but go ahead. It is legal in a couple states now, right? You yeah, know, and in, yeah. And in other states, it's legal with prescription. So, yeah. you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to say it should be legalized. Um, it's probably as long as it has the same types of restrictions as alcohol. You don't want to be stoned and, and be out driving, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, overdone. You know? Yeah, exactly. But there, you know, when I see how much, uh, I don't want anything legalized, to tell you the truth. I'm one of those people who say, if this is your life, <clears throat> just like anything else in this world, if this is your life and you go out and do these things, it's your responsibility not to get on the road or do any of the other things that people, you know, do. But most likely, if you're on some of the, uh, if you're on drugs, you're not in a car anyway because you're too stoned to be <laughs> in a car. <clears throat> Uh, a lot more than uh, alcohol in some instances. More people, I feel, will get into a car, you know, being um, drunk than people who are stoned get in a car. Um, but, you know, this is all my personal opinion, people. I know you can, you know, it's, it's we can do a lot of those what ifs. But I think the main thing is, and Mike, could, you could talk to this a lot better than I can. I just want to say that I just feel is personal responsibility. It all boils down to that, personal responsibility and also the fact that I don't really um, have anything to say about a lot of the things that are out there. I've never done them, so I don't know. Maybe I'm talking up, you know, smoke up my ass. I have no idea, but talk to us, Mike. (laughs) Well... I mean, as far as, I mean, I do have experience with a lot of the different drugs that are out there, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I could, I could elaborate on them. I mean, you know, it, I guess it depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, but yeah, as for Would driving. You, do you get in cars, though? I mean, of course, you were in all these car chases and stuff. Right. Do you, I mean, maybe you can inform us because, you know, those of us who don't know what it's like to be on the hard drugs or things like that, um, do, you, do people do that more than when they're on uh, alcohol, or am I just totally... Oh, yeah. People are driving on, on cocaine and crystal meth and all that stuff all the time. And okay, he- he- I'm heroin, wrong. Heroin, and <laughs> yeah, they're driving on it. Sometimes they're doing it driving down the road, you know? Okay. So. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, I admit that. I don't know what I'm talking about. And so they are all out in the cars and doing things like this, and right. I don't know it. Oh, my gosh. That's... I mean, I'd say there's probably... A little bit less less risk with somebody that's doing, say, cocaine or crystal meth, uh, or or even weed than alcohol. You know, if you overdo alcohol, it really impairs you. I mean, you know, uh, you know, certain drugs like like cocaine and, and meth tends to kind of amp you up, and I mean, you're you're still paying attention to stuff. It can it can definitely affect your ability to function properly. But you know, I think the incidence of a, of a serious crash or something is is quite a bit less with that than say alcohol. You know. Yeah. Um, not that it doesn't exist, you know. Yes, no, of course. A little bit, but of course. <clears throat> but you know, I also, um, 
I guess this could be a debate that'll go on forever. But the thing is, hopefully people just don't do any of that when they're driving, (laughs) you know, but it's going on. That's scary. That is really scary because I lived in, in fantasy land here thinking, well, if you're doing that, you're off in an apartment or, or home somewhere and you're not getting in cars and driving. But that's yeah. my little fantasy land. <laughs> 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 well, thank you for letting me know that <laughs> because it was really, yeah, okay. <sighs> do you, how do you feel that could be? I mean, since you, you know, since you've lived that kind of a life, what would you feel would be the best way to handle that and kids who are think that that's the way to go? I'm not sure I understand the question. How do we, how do we um, help the kids not um, get into that kind of thing? Well, I think a lot of kids get into drugs. You know, they, they get into groups of people to hang out with. Maybe they're not as social as some, and they, and they get involved with the groups of other antisocial kids. And, you know, they're partying and doing drugs. And, uh, you know, maybe if their parents were more involved earlier on, you know they wouldn't they wouldn't head to that head to that place you know or if they had other activities other things to do with their with their time you know um, some constructive things whether it's sports or whether it's learning about something or you know some other group get-togethers something a little more constructive in nature maybe you know if they're working towards a future if they've got some goals set that maybe they can spend outside of school time working on things you know progressing towards those goals instead of just idle time you know where they end up you know just bored and Again, a lot of times they're out there, they've had bad things happen in childhood, you know, and they're, they're using drugs to kind of cover up those feelings. I mean, they really are just trying to stay numb to stuff and not have to think about it or deal with it. And drugs is a great escape for that, you know. And they don't really have the, the, the ability, to, the understanding of their own psychology yet to, to be able to, to understand what they're even doing, you know, why they're doing the drugs as much as they are. That's fantastic. Thank you for that because that's, you know, that's what we need to hear to to have solutions, you know, more solutions out there than we do have. And um, I know I never, I, you know, I, I was the kind that I was scared to death of everything, you know, and so maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I naturally uh, had some weed at one time, but, you know, I was the type that I, <laughs> I'm the kind that, I have one sip of alcohol, I'm sick, I can't drink, you know, I can't drink. And so I, I took a <laughs> some weed, and I'll tell you, I just sat there and I just stared at a wall. I mean, there was, and so it was nothing to me, so I really didn't do it that, you know, I didn't do it any more than that because it just wasn't fun. I just felt gone, you know. And so I think I'm lucky because I don't get addicted to things like, you know, I mean, I'm an addictive personality, but thank goodness I did not like both alcohol and drugs. So, but I didn't do anything more than weed ever. But, um, you know, hearing you talk like this, how do you think we can, should we bring more mentors into schools? Should we bring mentors into programs where the police are arresting kids or bringing them in? What do you think? I hate to see kids arrested. I mean, it, to me, if you put them in, arresting them is one thing, but then when they're put into jail for, you know, maybe carrying a little marijuana or, or something on them, I think is, is, a, real, is a real problem in itself. Right. Or am I living in a different world? 
No, I mean, I, I agree. Sometimes the penalties are a little harsh uh, for those types of things. But, right, I mean, I think more mentors or, you know, some programs out there uh, when they do get arrested as youth that could uh, try to steer them back in the right direction would be a great idea. You know, I'm sure it just comes down to funding and, you know, available people to do that. I'm sure there's a lot more youth out there getting in trouble than there is, you know, people volunteering to try to help them. Yeah, and one thing too is because a lot of times they in in the sports they're uh, they're looked over because if they're not good enough or if they can't play, and I'm not saying that we sh- you know we should coddle anybody because of that, but we should f- help kids find out what it is they can do well. Uh, I mean, some kids don't even know they have an intellect for like science or you know industry finding out how how creative are you we don't find that we don't we don't do things like that because they can't all be sports stars they can't all you know be basketball players or football players or baseball players but they there's they everybody here has a some type of purpose some type of spirituality and that's what i would like to touch on a little bit because you're a very spiritual person how did you come about and i'm not talking religion i'm talking about spirituality which um we we know uh, is a different way of looking at ourselves than any kind of organized religion how did you come by that by my spirituality yeah really uh life experiences a lot of life experiences you know as you know i've had a few kind of psychic uh, experiences myself and, uh, you know, just opened my eyes to that there's a lot more going on in this world than than what meets the eye. And you can, you know, hear, feel, see, and touch and smell. Um, so it, it really just, you know, I'm a fair, fairly reasonably intelligent guy. And, you know, there, when there's so much evidence that's in my face that, wow, there's a lot of, there's other stuff that exists behind the scenes going on. Um, it becomes real obvious, you know, uh, to someone that hasn't experienced some of those things, you know, they may have their doubts. Yeah, well, when you do experience it, like most of us have, that, you know, found our spirituality in those ways, um, it's, it really makes you understand that there's the divine within. And most likely, when you were going and having a lot of the experiences you were having, your higher self was still there. Your higher self was still helping you, helping save you. It was, uh, you know, and you are very intelligent. You're you're a very humble man, and you are very intelligent, and you've got um, got a business now. It's a successful business. You um, are willing to spend as much time as possible with the youth of today. So when we're looking at these things and we're looking at what can we do to help each other, it would be community. It would be sticking together and working as a group in community to help not only our, our kids, but ourselves. We all need help right. on days. I agree. You know, we're, um, we're people. We're human beings. <laughs> and human beings get into trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They yeah. definitely can. You know, I and... I love sharing my own stuff, too, with, with the audience. And I'll tell you, I've had my last three weeks, if I sound a little off today, <laughs> it's because the last three weeks I've been spiraling. And what I call spiraling is up one minute, down the next, in between, around, crying, not crying, laughing, in bliss, not in bliss. 
And a lot of that has to do with the astrological aspects that are going on, which is huge. And a lot of it is you just have to learn how to cope with life. Drugs takes you away from that coping. You know, you have to learn those coping mechanisms. And what you've done by, uh, you know, allowing, and if you don't mind me saying this, um, what I feel you have done, let me put it that way, is that you removed yourself from those um, situations and have learned how to live life without having to use drugs, you know, or alcohol to cope. You're doing it on your own. And that's a big thing. And I, and it would be really interesting now that I'm thinking about it to be able to talk to kids about that, about saying, look, we all go through this. Let's, we all have our ups and downs, ins and outs. We've all had horrible things in our past. But sometimes you just have to look at life and go, I'm going to live. I'm going to live this. I'm going to face it. I'm going to stand up to it. I'm going to claim my power. I'm going to claim my spirituality. I'm going to claim who I am and keep on going. And that's what you did, Mike. Right. Yeah, I definitely did do that. Um, it really saddens me when I see people out there just kind of wasting their lives away, you know, years and years and years of just staying sedated with different drugs, you know, um, not going anywhere in life, not not trying, it's almost like they've given up, you know. Really, it's really sad because I think everybody's got potential to, to accomplish things and you know, I'm not sure the whole process that it takes to, to bring people down to that point to where they're just, you know, okay with uh, surviving, with base survival. But, you know, it definitely wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm glad it wasn't. And, you know, there's a lot of young girls out there that are in prostitution. Uh, they leave home and then um, a pimp finds them. And the next thing you know, they, they're been being given drugs and then now they're addicted, and they don't know how to get out of the lifestyle. And that's another thing that I would that I feel is totally and completely senseless. And I've talked about this before on my show, so we won't spend a lot of time on it. But what I need to say is, stop with prostitution being illegal. It's absolute nonsense. We don't care what people are doing in their bedrooms. We don't care. I mean, why should we? You know, it's long it because what's happening is we've got young girls, correct, Mike? I mean, we've got young girls that are, yep. you know, being pr- brought into something that they shouldn't be in. Right. Yeah, I've seen it. Like I said, you know, I've worked in that side of the industry when I was younger. Um, and some of those girls are addicted to drugs and they're and they're not in a place they want to be. You know, they're desperate and stuff. But there are some that, that aren't addicted and that are, are doing it because they're, you know, that's their choice to make some money. And that's the what that's the lifestyle they they seem to want to live. You know, I mean, uh, there's there's both ends of the spectrum out there for sure. Absolutely. The thing is, is that we have the right to do that as a job. Right. And we right. have that right to do that. If a woman or a man wants to be a prostitute, in other words, if they want to have sex with somebody and the person wants to pay them money for it, it should, why do we care? Right. I think the government is, you know, the main issue, the government just, you know, it's, they, they deem it a legal activity, just like drug sales, you know. Uh, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not arresting the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, as long as they can tax it, as long as they can make a profit off of it. But when people are doing stuff around the system where they're not making the profit, that starts to become a problem. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, prostitution is legal in a couple states, I believe, you know, uh, in Nevada. Different, different areas. Yeah. yeah, and I think maybe even Atlantic City, I'm not sure. But, you know, 
Yeah, I think that's the big angle is just the government's not making money on on what they can't track, you know. Well, yeah, and they, yeah, they'd have a hard time tracking that unless they actually. And the thing is, is it shouldn't be. It should just be a business like any other business, and it could be um, so uh, much better for the people that want to do that as a living. Um, of course, with it being illegal. You could make a little more money at it, I would imagine, but um, you know it's still something that I think is a waste of of our, you know, taxpayers' money, so to speak, to have something like that uh, illegal. But what we want to uh, make sure of is that if there's any chill, if there's any kids listening, which I don't know that they would be, but if there are that. We aren't saying that you should go out and do any of this right now. Find yourself a mentor. Find yourself somebody that can help you <clears throat> if you're having problems. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the things that we would like to cover uh, on this show is how we can help um, people who are going through divorce and that because we do believe in contracts around here. We believe in contracts for love. However, I believe it's time to have a few sips of tea and honey. And afterward, we'll bring Mike back and see what else might be in his past. Back in a breath and a sip. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Visit LoriJ.com to find out more about Lori J and her services as a psychic intuitive reader and past lives channel. Be sure to pick up Lori J's book, Don't Get Married, Get a Five-Year Contract, available on Amazon.com. With cheating and the divorce rate so high, why not look at commitment and marriage from a different point of view? You'll view relationships in a whole new light, one that you've probably never thought of before. Don't get married, get a five-year contract. Find out more at LoriJ.com. Are you someone who strives to accelerate your spiritual growth? Living authentically? Everyone wishes they had a pipeline to higher wisdom to help them understand their life and manifest a new point of view. Join Holly and Paul Marwood, who will serve as your guides on Soul Genesis. They will share inspired guidance from the High Council of Orion, which can turn your questions into answers and your problems into solutions. Tune into Soul Genesis, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The 7th Wave Channel. On the Voice America Network. You are listening to Contract for Love. To reach Lori J or her guest, please call toll free 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Lori J at LoriJ.com. Now, back to Contract for Love. Good afternoon, Lori J. here with her good friend, Mike Cook, owner of Arizona Automasters in Chandler, Arizona. 
And Mike, we were talking a lot about, you know, we got into prostitution and drugs pretty heavily on our last segment. I'd really like to talk to you in this segment about um, you did get divorced, you have children, and you did read my book. And how do, how, how do you feel about contracts instead of the marriage, whole marriage thing? I think it's a great idea. You know, I mean, I'm sure uh, even if you sign a contract, you could still have some type of a ceremony or get together, you know, but... But as far as the, the, the length and the term and, you know, me, myself personally, I'm kind of, you know, I don't think I'd ever want to sign another one of those legal, do, you know, binding documents um, just because, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's necessarily fair all the time when you get divorced and how it gets split up. Um, but I think, you know, as a whole, uh, p- people would appreciate each other a lot more if they had a limited time contract, you know, and, and not take each other for granted, you know, once you're once you're married and, and just start to kind of either let themselves go or whatever, you know, if you know that in, in a couple years or a few years, you got to renew your contract, you know, maybe you're going to be uh, not taking the other person for granted as much, you know, on both sides. I think it could be a lot better relationship for both people if they, if they know that there's going to be times, you know, to renew it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we, we've been talking and it's interesting because all of my guests, um, have you know really feel the same way that have been that where we've been talking about it, and I've noticed more and more. Um, I've been seeing things in the newspaper and magazines, or you know, uh, uh, just articles, things going on the web about the fact that maybe it, people say maybe marriage isn't the right thing to do, and I'm going yay, yay, <laughs> and just remember everybody, I had the copyright in 2012. <laughs> however it is yes it's absolutely something that we need to consider in this day and age because of all the changes the changes in society the changes in family dynamics uh you have uh two sons am i correct mike correct okay and you get to see them and that's a wonderful thing that you know the you're there as the father and helping them um how did they uh do they know about the things that, you know, you were in or things like that? Do you discuss that with them? As far as my past life? Yes. Uh, I don't discuss that stuff with them. They really, you know, they're they're uh, 12 and 14 right now. And, you know, the, I'm not trying to give them an angle on, you know, to, to use and, and go out and, and cause trouble and do things and then, uh, you know, say, well, you did it. So, you know, I don't, I just don't want it to go down that path. So, you know, I'm, I figure I'll wait till they're like 20 years old to tell them about about some of my past stuff, you know. As far as I know, I'm, I was a pretty ordinary guy. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully they won't hear the show. Then. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we won't play it for them. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you are pretty, you know, you are, uh, you know, really good with, with young men, though, and young women in helping mentor them and going into the classes. So uh, I think they would also be proud of you, Mike. So don't forget that, too, because you did turn your life around tremendously. And here you are, a very successful and very spiritual uh, business owner. Now, when we talk about um, contracts for love, (laughs) we're talking about these contracts before, um, you know, you let's say you're going to move in with somebody and you... Uh, you know, you meet somebody and you, you decide that instead of living apart, which I feel is the, is the preferred method, 
is people live in two different places and then come together for booty calls. <laughs> <laughs> and But, okay, let's say you're going to move in together. Now, you're a successful businessman, and you're going to, you know, in your contract, you're going to have to say no matter how much you love this woman. According, you know, remember that I had this in the book. And no matter how much you love each other, you're going to have to sit down and think about, well, if this breaks up in five years, what am I going to do? Correct? I mean, right. does that feel, make you feel uh, a little more calm about the situation if you had to leave? How does that make you feel? Let's say, you know, right. I think if you it, had to I do that. I think it should be discussed. I mean, I think there's, you know, there should be an exit strategy. I mean, when you form a business, when you build a business, sometimes you've got exit strategies. Or if you form a partnership in a business, you know, the smart way to do that is to say, hey, okay, let's say down the line we grow apart, we want to go different directions, you know, let's put this in our contract of how we're going to buy each other out or how this is going to go down so we're not, we're not you know, bridging this in five years from now, you know. So it's not a bad idea to have uh, these things pre-discussed a little bit and, and that way you kind of know where it's going to be at if things don't work out and both parties kind of agree to that. You know, and uh, hopefully they can stick to that agreement. Well, I have a lot of people. The first thing they ask me is, "What? But what about the children?" And I go, "What about the children?" A lot of children are living like you know, uh, my children are. I have two children. They had to go through two divorces, and um, so they come through it. They learn how to adapt. Do you feel some kids? You know, we have a lot of kids getting into a lot of trouble, but we also have a lot of kids that have been coddled. Right. In this day and age. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. A lot. I mean, there's a lot of kids. I think that's a big problem, too. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. And it's sort of like <clears throat> we've gone to the uh, you know opposite extreme now where we're not letting kids, you know, uh, we don't trust them to stay at home alone, you know, between 11 and 12 years old. And now, granted, things weren't as horrendous as it was, I guess, when my kids were smaller, but... I mean, if you close the door, you lock the door, and you tell the kids not to open the door, shouldn't you be able to trust that? I would think. Yeah, I yeah. would think too. Yeah. Because if you're raising, you know, to not allow your children that space or to learn trust, that you're going to trust them, how are they going to feel when they're 14, 15, and 16? Right. You know, somewhere along the line, you have to show kids and not only that they can be trusted, but that they can be independent of you. Yeah, that's really important. You know, you know, in the in the days when um, we had people had children just to survive, to have farms because they had farms and things or businesses, and most of the time they just wanted children to come up through the line and keep everything in the family. That's all. That was, that was the main idea of having children then was, you know, to become heirs, become heiresses. And um, no matter what, even if it was an acre of land, it doesn't matter. They were going to pass it on. And uh, so kids were brought up very independent. They were not coddled. They weren't, you know, so then now we're making the, we're going to the opposite extreme. And now we've got 30 and 40 year olds living at home. Yeah. <laughs> with their parents. Right. I mean, that's scary. It's definitely a problem. <laughs> I don't know. I I have no idea how to solve that one. Do you? <laughs> Not real. Well, like you said, don't coddle them as much. I mean, there's a lot of kids that, you know, I've seen it time and time again where there's there's kids from affluent, you know, families that are pretty wealthy that, 
you know, take care of them and put them through college. And, and that's, that's fine and, and dandy, but, you know, where they don't have any re- real responsibilities. And then at some point, the, car- the parents uh, cut the cord, you know, 25 and 30 years old. And all of a sudden, the, you know, those, those guys fall flat on their face a lot of times. They're not, they're not prepared for real life. They're not prepared uh, to, to go out and take care of themselves. And, you know, it's, it's progression. I mean, I think they've got to they've got to go through some of the suffering and some of the learning and some of the hard stuff growing up to uh, be able to make it in this world. You know. Well, that's what it's about. It's about learning responsibility. It's about learning how to be independent. It's about exactly that. How do you go out and face the workplace and not have that? You know, the background of learning it at home. So then, a lot of people end up going to work. Freaking out, they don't know what to do. They haven't been, you know, they don't have that base of independence. And then we end up with a whole cycle of situations where people start looking for the drugs and the alcohol again to, you know, to numb themselves. So my feeling is that if you take care of your children through, you know, the contracts before, while you're first married, or, not, excuse me, did I say that word? <gasps> Shame on me. I think I'm going to slap my face. When, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, let me back up, Lori, back up. Okay. When we're, we've got the contracts in front of us and we are all in love, isn't that the best time to put down if you're going to have children, what to do? how to take care of them? That, that would be a good time. But I, I can tell you from my own experiences, uh, I talked, I, I spent years talking to my ex-wife in length about how we would uh, rear children, how we would raise them, our values. And, uh, you know, we, we thought we were in 100% agreement. And then when, when the actual time came and we had children, uh, we found out that that couldn't be farther from the truth, that we actually had very different ideas and concepts on how to raise children and uh, it was, a, you know, as much discussion as we did, it was really a, a point that started causing us a lot of trouble in our marriage um, and, and building a lot of animosity because neither one of us wanted to give in. We were having trouble uh, compromising. And uh, we both really were set, set in ways that we thought that uh, they should be raised on all different levels, you know, wh- whether it had to do with discipline or the, the food they eat or the types of medical care, or, you know, on and on. It just we were complete opposites. So, you know. I'm not sure that uh, when you don't have kids yet and you lay out some of these rules ahead of time, I think once you have kids, things can change a little bit. You know, once you're in that, in that reality, uh, your opinions might change from what, what you think they're going to be. But that's what's interesting is because if you have them in down, written down in a contract, okay, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you can't, you're going to go, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, you know, okay, but you make you sit down and go, okay, we have to review this. Remember when we said right. this? Remember? You know, it's not like, well, you never said that, and she said, oh, no, I never said that, and you're going, I never said that. You see what I'm saying? Yep. You can pull out your little contract. You go, oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, look at this. Uh, <laughs> look at that. We signed this. Remember, we signed this. So now we may have to sit down and really work on this, you know? So that's why I feel it's a, a great thing to have. Because then you have to sit there and look that person in the face and go, look, right. it's on the paper. <laughs> I agree. 
good whether to, you're right or wrong, right. it's on the paper. It's good to put it down on paper. That way you have <laughs> proof because people start changing the way they're, you know, oh, I never said that, you know, that that's not what was said, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like a business. You wouldn't put, you wouldn't, if you wanted 50% and the other, or 49% and the other one wanted 51, right? And all of a sudden, this whole thing gets changed. You're going to want a contract to pull out and go, I'm sorry, but I've got 51%. You only have 49 Right. And you signed it, right? You don't want to go, well, you said, and I said, and you said, and I said. <laughs> yep. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so if we have a contract and we start to look at it, what I keep talking about is what I feel is when you get close to five years. And the reason I picked five years was the first year you're pretty, you're, you're very, you know, La, 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 you're in love and everything's going wonderful, you know. The second year, you start to get kind of used to each other. And all of a sudden, the third year, it starts to, well, you know, if you don't have children, you start to think about having children. By the fourth and fifth year, you're bored, not bored, but you might be bored with your sex life and other things are going awry. So now it's time to reassess Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's a process of reassessing where you're at. And then, you know, you you can go back to this and say, well, uh, we may have, if we want to uh, re-up on this contract, we better get something straightened out because otherwise we can't live together. Do you see that that way? Could you understand? I completely get that. That yeah. makes complete sense to me. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I'm such a firm believer in this and Fight to the, <laughs> to the teeth with to it. The death. <laughs> yeah, fight to the death. Excuse me. Yes, because it is it is so important. Because what happens is more people are back in court fighting over things. You know, within a year after they're divorced, and that what? How fair is that to anybody? Yeah, it's not. But if we can have mediators, that helps too. If we can have mediators come in and and help us with this. It's a. It would be strong, a strong way to have our marriages. Our, did you, I said it again? My gosh, <laughs> have our contracts worked out? I must be tired today, Mike. My goodness, That's okay. I can't believe marriage just went across my lips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to wipe that word out of the sound of society, and here I am. Uh, but that's okay. We're all, we're all human, and today we're having a very human day. <laughs> and but if there was something that you would like to say, Mike, what would it be to a lot of the people out there that you know it doesn't you don't have to have. Um, you know, just give us something that you'd like to say to everybody about your life and how you are now. Well, I guess all I can really say is, you know, no, nothing happens without making changes, and, and changes can be difficult, uh, you know, but you got to go through them to progress in life. Um, staying the status quo doesn't get you anywhere. So you've got to be you got to be willing to, to go out there and, and fight for your future, and you've got to be able to make those changes. And, and you know, you better you better set some goals and put them down on paper. Uh, start working a plan to make things happen. You know, too many people just go on month to month and year to year and, and don't really make any changes, and they always think about what they could do. And you know, if if you really set a plan in motion and go after it and, and learn to live outside your comfort zone a little bit, you, you can make a lot of big changes in your life. That was beautiful. Thank you for that. That was excellent. That's so true. Um, you know, having moving forward, right, Mike? Right. Taking one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. We have to. We have to move forward. 
because uh, especially during this time of very chaotic energy and things out there, people, um, all I can do is, is tell you, you've got to move forward. Don't go backward. And whatever forward means to you, go toward your goals. Uh, but leave your goals open-ended. Don't give yourself limitations. Don't put yourself in a box. You've got to push out of the boundaries because boundaries are only, they're, they're not, they're just not the way to go. I wish I had some really wise words for you today about that. But all I can say is just keep moving. I know, especially now with holidays, how hard it can be on people because there's a lot of sadness out there. There's a lot of people who are alone. And all I can tell you is that they're, you're not alone when you see the divine within you and focus on the divine within and on your higher self and allow yourself to just be. Meditate. If you're alone, meditate. Okay. All I've got to say is I love you. I'm so happy you come every week and listen. And hopefully you will come back next week and we will have Sarah Nilsson with us. She will be doing contracts. So just remember that you are the perfect, imperfect piece of the perfect puzzle. And this is Lori signing off for Contract for Love. I love you. Thanks for tuning in to Contract for Love. Be sure to join Lori J. next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. We'll talk more next week.